from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, thanks for tuning in on this Monday. Coming up on this edition of Washington Watch, breaking news out of Virginia this afternoon. The same special grand jury that issued the scathing report on the Loudoun County School District last week has handed down indictments this week, including three charges against the former Loudoun County School Superintendent Scott Ziegler. FRC's Meg Kilgannon has been closely monitoring the events in Loudoun County, and she joins me later. And the Twitter files have the Biden administration on the defensive. But it appears from these revelations from inside of Twitter, there were regular meetings between executives there, the FBI, DHS, the DNI. Um, so, you know, flagging tweets, expressing their concerns, it seems trying to drive certain conversations. So should or shouldn't the federal government, federal agencies, in your words, be directing private companies on how to execute their initiatives? We, we aren't directing private social media companies on how to manage their content. These are decisions that they have to make uh, as appropriate. That was White House Coordinator for Strategic Communications, John Kirby, with Fox News host Shannon Bream yesterday. But that is not how the Biden administration was talking about their relationship with big tech in July of last year. We are in regular touch uh, with these social media platforms, uh, and those uh, engagements typically happen through members of our senior staff, but also members of our COVID-19 team. Uh, given, as Dr. Murthy Mur- uh, conveyed, uh, this is a big issue of misinformation, specifically on the pandemic. That was former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki last year talking about how the administration was working with big tech to make sure there was not disinformation. We'll discuss it with Texas Congressman Pat Fallon, a member of the House Oversight Committee that will be holding hearings into big tech and their collusion with the Biden administration. Additionally, the released Twitter files to date show a clear effort to censor conservatives. Now, could their efforts be a violation of federal election law when it comes to the 2020 election cycle? We're going to discuss that with former election, federal election commissioner Hans von Spaskowski. And for the second year in a row, the Biden administration has refused to put Nigeria on the watch list of nations that undermine religious freedom. Why? We're going to talk about it with former Congressman Frank Wolf, now a member of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. And finally, the lame duck session continues. We'll get an update a little bit later on what we can expect this week in the lame duck from FRC's Connor Simmelsberger, Director of Federal Affairs. And as you know, it is the end of the year. We're here at Christmas time, then on to the new year. And this is when the Family Research Council receives the bulk of its financial support. Unlike NPR, we receive no government money. We don't have advertisers. We just have folks like you all across this country that understand the value of news and information from a Bible-centered organization in our nation's capital. So thanks to a special year-end challenge match by Friends of FRC, Your gift will have double the impact if we receive it before December the 31st. So if you'd like to partner with us, simply give us a call. We've got team members standing by to take your call at 1-800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Or you can make a contribution online at TonyPerkins.com. Our word for today comes from Isaiah 29, verses 13 and 14. Therefore, the Lord said, inasmuch as these people draw near me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me 
and their fear toward me is taught by the commandments of men. Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. You know, God isn't as interested in what we say as he is interested in what we do. He has not called us to empty religious jargon, but a life-altering relationship with him. What God is saying here is very similar to what Paul said in Romans 1.22. Professing to be wise, they became fools. When a society wants to play religion as they twist God's truth, denying him, God lets them play the fool. To join us in our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org Bible. Well, the steady release of Twitter corporate misdeeds that the new owner, Elon Musk, has dubbed the Twitter files continued today with the release of internal communications related to the platform's banning of then-President Trump. Last week, we learned the previous Twitter regime kept a blacklist of conservative commentators whose accounts had their reach throttled back. Now, this came on the heels of previous reports on Twitter's suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop scandal, suppression that may have happened due to government interference. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Pat Fallon. He serves on the House Armed Services Committee and the House Oversight Committee, which will be looking further into this in the upcoming 118th Congress. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Fallon, welcome back to the program. Oh, thanks, Tony, for having me. And if I forget, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. Well, thank you so much. And, and same to you. I hope you enjoy. I hope you get home. I hope we all get home in time to enjoy Christmas with this lame duck going on. But let's talk about the uh, the previous regime at Twitter clearly put their thumb on the scale to promote the left while throttling, th- throttling back conservative voices. W- what do you say to that? Well, the, you know, our worst fears and suspicions, Tony, have been confirmed, really. I mean, you had the head of their legal department, Vijaya Gotti, admitting that the FBI told him that, hey, listen, you're going to get probably a, a hack and leak story in October um, of uh, dealing with Hunter Biden. So just be aware of that and take action. Uh, that's tr- very troubling. Uh, and, and the fact that, you know, we just it just came to light also that Google is just magically 70 percent of GOP campaign mail emails went to spam, but only 10 percent of Democratic emails. So uh, we, we've suspected this and now we know it to be fact. So, Congressman, let me ask you about that, because I, I doubt that Twitter is an outlier and that they were the only social mm-hmm. media giant that was seeking to censor conservative voices. So will this be the subject of congressional oversight and investigation in this upcoming Congress? I strongly suspect it will be. Jamie Comer, Chairman Comer, is doing a fabulous job, and he's asking for input from members. And this is something that we're all crying for because we want to get these folks on the record under oath. It's one thing for we know that Google now, you know, we've confirmed that Twitter, I suspect Facebook and other Big tech firms are doing the same thing. We'll get them under oath because they claim that they're not biased, which I find laughable being that I've been, and I'm sure you all have as well, being a victim of their shadow banning for years now. So let's ask them under oath and see what they say. And if they want to commit perjury, well, then they're going to have to pay the consequences and they might do a perp walk after all. Now, um, they are a private company, but they've become by, you know, they've become the public square. 
I mean, they're like a public yes. utility. They're like a telephone company. And can you imagine the telephone company refusing to do service with one person because they don't like their politics? But that's essentially what we have with, with big tech. But it goes a step further if, in fact, we have the Biden administration colluding with big tech, as I played a clip from July of last year of Jen Psaki saying that they were going to, they're talking daily with big tech about the quote-unquote disinformation over COVID, that's a First Amendment violation if you have the mm -hmm. government suppressing the speech of people. It's a First Amendment violation. It's, it could be a, hack, a Hatch Act violation as well. If you're on the, on the government clock, on the taxpayer dime and using taxpayer resources to meddle in politics and campaigning, that is you're breaking federal law. And it seems to us, it seems to that what we've uncovered thus far, that, that that's exactly what went on. So that's why another thing we need to call some of these former executives and current executives of big tech and ask them those questions. Have government officials been pressuring you and telling you to edit political and free speech? You know, I have to think that this is uh, big tech's worst nightmare, uh, <laughs> that somebody uh, like Elon Musk has gotten control of the files. You know, I'm, I'm sure they wish now they would have burned them on the way out. But this is going to be very revealing as to how big tech across the board, I believe, has been operating. I think, Tony, this is the best $44 billion I've seen spent in my lifetime. I can't, I mean, thank you, Elon Musk, for doing it. It's like the Wizard of Oz, and he's pulled back the curtain. And we we find that, look at that, here and now, all of, again, all of our suspicions Agree. Have been confirmed. Agree. Switching topics, Democrats on the House Oversight Committee have accused oil companies of lying to Congress, releasing this uh, report on their way out over their failure to meaningfully reduce emissions. You're from Texas, your reaction to that? Oh, I think the Democrats have long since uh, shown their cards and they've declared war on fossil fuels and the fossil fuel in the American energy sector. And they'll say anything to demean them because it's really, it's part of a larger plan and plot really, I think, Tony, that they want young people to vote Democratic. So therefore, they talk about climate change, climate change, climate change. They don't have any solutions to the, the problem that they allege, but they say, you know what? We have to move away from fossil fuels. If we actually did what they wanted, millions of people would die. It's that frightening because right now, renewables are woefully inadequate to replace fossil fuels. They, the, the executives know that, and quite frankly, anybody with a level head knows it. So they've, they've, they've dragged them, and for, I think we've had four hearings uh, with oil executives over the, la the last two years, and they just demonize them. It's ridiculous. Well, you mentioned that uh, this, uh, this week, actually yesterday, J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon was on CBS Face the Nation speaking about the mess that uh, has been made with energy policy. Play clip number six, please. But this oil and gas problem is going to go on for years. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, if I was, a, a, you know, in the government or anywhere else, I'd say I have to prepare for getting much worse. I hope it doesn't, but I would definitely be preparing for it to get much worse. Can a Republican House alter what's happening when it comes to the energy policy of this country? Well, we can tell the truth, Tony. And the truth is that if you want to solve, you, you want to reduce inflation and you want to make America stronger and have a, a better strategic position in the world, you would exploit the resources that you have uh, in your country and putting America's interests first. I talked to Secretary Pompeo about this. And, you know, what, what Joe Biden's solution to Amer American energy 
I, I think we're approaching a crisis when you consider we have 40-year inflation, is to ask many Putins. Okay, we're not going to buy oil any, any oil from Putin. Let's ask Venezuela. Let's beg Saudi Arabia. How about unleashing the, the resources that we have here, Mr. President? And by the way, if you are an environmentalist, we do it cleaner and better because we have the expertise. We have an independent judiciary. We have a rule of law in this country so where it's actually safer for us to extract oil and natural gas than it would be in Venezuela or Saudi or Russia or China. That, that makes too much sense. Um, I, I think that, <laughs> that they can't comprehend that. Final question for you, 30 seconds. What do we need to be watching for this week in the lame duck session? Well, that's a great question. You know, it's uh, the continuing resolution, whether or not they want to tackle the debt ceiling increase or are they going to punt that. You know, they like to kick the can down the road. And that's one of the reasons why I came to Washington is we have to be transparent. We have to be responsible. And the buck needs to stop somewhere. And, Tony, it should stop right here in the House. All right, Congressman Pat Fallon, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for taking time out on this Monday. Thanks, Tony. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. Congressman Pat Fallon of Texas. And, of course, we're going to get a greater detailed update of this week in the lame duck a little bit later in the program. But coming up next, Elon Musk has confirmed that Twitter shadow banned conservative accounts. But did their actions in the 2020 election violate election laws? I mean, those it's pretty tricky. If you are helping a candidate and hurting other candidates and you're not disclosing that, that can be a campaign violation. We're going to talk about that next. Don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org slash worldview.
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back. Merry Christmas. Glad that you are joining us for this Monday edition of Washington Watch. And by the way, we have uh, team members standing by. If you'd like to partner with the Family Research Council as we come to the end of the to the year, this is when our supporters stand with us in order that we can continue to bring you Washington Watch. And if you'd like to give them a call and join, take advantage of this challenge match that's been put forward by friends of FRC, give us a call, 800-225-4008. That's 800 800- Two two five four zero zero eight, or go to TonyPerkins.com. All right, as we were talking about when Elon Musk and Twitter revealed last week that the company's previous management had shadow banned conservative accounts, they were merely confirming what many of us already knew. And I'm, I'm waiting for the list. I want to see who all's on, on there. I would not be surprised to see my own at T. Perkins on the list. But among those who had their accounts throttled were Republican politicians, including prominent members of Congress and, oh, by the way, the President of the United States. Many are now asking, could Twitter have violated federal campaign laws with such policies? Joining me now for a discussion of all of these questions is Hans von Spakowski. He is a senior legal fellow with the Heritage Foundation. He's also a former attorney at the Department of Justice and a former commissioner at the Federal Election Commission. Hans, welcome back to Washington Watch. Sure, thanks for having me back. Now, I know this is an evolving story with new details emerging daily, and so some of this is speculation, but we do know that they were throttling back the content coming from conservatives. This was in an election cycle. Is there enough to call for or see an investigation into whether or not Twitter violated election laws? Uh, the answer to that is yes. And in fact, um, last year, in September of last year, the Federal Election Commission, which uh, has authority over investigating uh, violations of federal campaign finance laws, actually dismissed complaints that have been filed against Twitter, uh, not only for shadow banning uh, Republican uh, elected officials and candidates, but also for suppressing the Hunter Biden uh, laptop story. Now, the thing about this is the FEC dismissed the complaint, and the complaint was that they were uh, engaging in illegal corporate contributions by doing this. But the FEC dismissed the complaint, Tony. Uh, why? Because two reasons. One, Twitter executives claimed that they had not coordinated with the Biden campaign over this. And second, that they had a bona fide commercial reason, uh, for example, for suppressing the Hunter Biden story, which was their internal policy against 
publishing hacked materials. But we now know, of course, they were communicating with uh, campaigns, particularly the Biden campaign. And we also know that uh, it didn't actually fit within their uh, no, no, no publication of, of hacked materials policy because uh, in, executives inside even questioned that. The point of this is that the FEC dismissed the complaint based on what may have been lies and misleading testimony by Twitter, and they need to reopen that file, reconsider the case, and potentially make criminal referrals to the Justice Department for any Twitter executives who committed perjury in their testimony yeah, that, to the FEC. That's what, did they make that testimony under oath? They did. Yes. So absolutely. That would be they would have lied and uh, that would be perjury. Yeah, no, it, it would. So, look, the FEC took this seriously. Uh, like we said, they just on seems to be invalid reasons. So it is a potential violation of campaign finance law. Now, uh, this is something that's strictly initiated by the Election Commission, correct? No, uh, anyone can file a complaint a sworn complaint uh, with the FEC. And that's, in fact, what generated uh, the investigation at the FEC, because there were complaints filed against Twitter, the Biden campaign, and two of the executives at Twitter, including Jack Dorsey, the former CEO. So if Congress looks into this issue, oversight hearings in the House producing more information, that certainly should trigger action on behalf of the Election Commission. Yeah, no, I think it should. And uh, I, I think the same people who filed the original complaints, their lawyers might want to go back to the FEC and say, uh, you might need to reconsider your decision to close the file based on this newly uncovered evidence. Now, the the outcome of that would be what, given the fact that Twitter is now an, under new ownership? Well, the FEC has what's called civil authority. So they can impose fines and civil penalties on uh, anyone violating uh, campaign finance laws, including a corporation. There is a criminal violation if the violation was intentional and knowing. Now, the U.S. Justice Department has authority over prosecuting criminal cases, um, you you want to you want to make a bet on whether the Justice Department would ever open a criminal investigation of this? I think the likelihood of that is pretty nil. So if they were to take civil action against yeah. Twitter, Twitter's under new management, new ownership. It's moving in a different direction. Could, could they then, you know, penalize the the current Twitter for the actions of the past Twitter? Yeah, they could. But remember. Uh, the complaint was filed not just against Twitter, the corporation, but also against individual executives. So even former executives like Jack Dorsey could potentially have civil penalties imposed on them by the FEC. All right. Uh, very quickly, last question for you, Hans. What should Congress do going into the 118th? What should Republicans do in the House? Uh, intense, in-depth oversight of uh Twitter, the executives there, and frankly, they need a subpoena. All of the internal and ex external communications that were going on over these kind of political issues, and particularly communications going on with 
the Democratic National Committee and the Biden campaign. Do you think this is isolated to Twitter? Or are we going to see the same thing if we could pull back the curtain at uh, Facebook, Google, other places? I think we would see the same thing. Yeah, I agree. Hans, thanks so much for joining us. Always great to see you. Thanks for having me. All right. This is going to be very interesting in the days ahead, and I am looking forward to these congressional oversight hearings delving into what was happening at Twitter, but beyond Facebook, Google, YouTube. They're all censoring conservatives. We've seen it, I mean, multiple times. All right, coming up, indictments from a special grand jury were issued against Loudoun County school officials today. We're going to talk about it next after the break. Don't go away. A lot more Washington Watch straight ahead. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Monday. Be sure and check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. And if you've not yet seen the Washington Stand, WashingtonStand.com, great resource, news and information from a biblical perspective. All right. And one of the stories we'll be covering is this. Former Loudoun County Public School Superintendent Scott Ziegler has been indicted on three misdemeanor charges uh, by a special grand jury. This comes a week after the release of a blistering report detailing the school district's failures in responding to sexual assaults in their schools. Now, in addition to charging Ziegler, the special grand jury also indicted Loudoun County's public school's public information 
officer with a charge of a felony perjury. Join me now to discuss this is Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies at the Family Research Council. Meg, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks for having me back, Tony. Meg, can you hear me? I can hear you. All right, so tell me, why was this special grand jury necessary? The prosecutor in Loudoun County uh, is not a prosecutor who tends to be aggressive in prosecuting crime. And so because parents have been complaining and because no action had been taken, um, the one of the major campaign issues of the governor's race was this issue of what exactly was going on in Loudoun County and how in the world were we going to get to the bottom of it when everyone in the government there seemed to be in collusion over the, the issues. So the governor ran and promised, or Glenn Youngkin ran promising to investigate what was going on. And when he won and uh, the attorney general, Jason Minari, has also won his race, they immediately launched an investigation. And now you have indictments coming from the special grand jury. And the attorney general has announced that he will prosecute these indictments. So he's not making any more statements about it because they're going to be going to court. So last Monday we had uh, the, or last week we had the report come out from the grand jury. It was unsealed by a judge, 25 pages, 92 in total with all of the, the footnotes and uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, evidence that came along with it, the statements. So this week we have charges. Tell us about the charges that have been, the indictments that have been released. Well, the, the, public admin, the public information officer has been charged with felony perjury. And so that charge, if he were convicted, could carry up to a 10-year uh, prison term. And what's that based he, on, that um, charge? It's based on statements that he made to the grand jury that are false. So we don't have specific information about what exactly it is that he's said that they're alleging he lied about. But, um, and of course, you know, we're all innocent until proven guilty in a court of law, right? But th these are the charges that he's facing. Now, we know uh, we know what uh, Scott Ziegler did. I mean, he uh, he lied about the fact that there had been an assault in the bathroom in the school by a boy wearing a skirt of a girl. He knew that, and he publicly said he had no knowledge. That's right, and that seems to be the charge that he's facing. Um, and you'll you'll recall, Tony, that 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 incident and the altercation that occurred in the crowd that night, the shutting down of the school board meeting, um, all of that is what led to the um, the request by the National School Board Association for the Department of Justice to intervene in the um, you know atmosphere of violence that was taking place in public schools across the country. You know that was one of the key examples they cited of parents just being out of control and, and the need for the feds to come down hard on parents at school board meetings. And, and we see now that this was all based on lies. Right. Well, it's the opposite. It is the those that are controlling the institutions that are negligent when it comes to the protection and well-being of our children. So well, God bless you, the parents who are willing to stand up there and take the ridicule and the heat from these leftists who are running our schools. If you want a hard job done, you have to ask parents to do it, right? Because that's what we have to do. 
Um, but the the that what you said about the atmosphere and the and the environment created by the public officials is really confirmed by the second two misdemeanor charges that were leveled against um, former Superintendent Ziegler because they are related to a case that a teacher in Loudoun County filed where she claimed she was being sexually assaulted by a, a special needs student. This teacher was an elementary school teacher at the time, and she repeatedly complained about the behavior of the student and the fact that it was not being addressed appropriately or, or in a way that kept her feeling safe and other students feeling safe. And uh, she ended up, um, her contract was not renewed, and she's now in, in a lawsuit with the school system. And she claims that they the that they retal that this, that Ziegler retaliated against her. Uh, that those those are the other two misdemeanor charges are related to that case. So and, we see a pattern here, I right? Mean, that the schools are not safe. Obviously, this is going to go on as uh, the prosecution will take place next. But can we expect to see more? from this investigation and more fallout as it pertains to the schools there in Loudoun County? I, I think we must expect to see more. <laughs> it's certainly is... going to fuel the school board races that will be coming up soon. They are in the year 2023. Yeah. So, All right, Meg Kilgannon, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Tony. Well, folks, look, it's because of those parents who were wrongfully treated, quite frankly, that were willing to stand up and defend their children. This needs to happen all across America because I can assure you, I, I can guarantee that it's not isolated to Loudoun County, that there are other school officials that are lying to cover up what's happening in our schools. All right, coming up next, the Biden administration refusing for the second year in a row to recognize the persecution the religious persecution in Nigeria. We talk about it with X. Don't go away. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text S-T-A-N-D 
to 67742. That's stand to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. All right, welcome back. As I mentioned earlier in the program, we are at the end of our year, end of the calendar year, and if you would like to join with some friends of FRC that have put forth a challenge match to help ensure that Washington Watch continues on stations all across this country. We're now on more than 800 stations on four different TV platforms. And um, we're only here because of you, folks like you across this country standing with us. And so if you'd like to partner with us, we've got folks standing by to take your call. You can call 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Or you can go to TonyPerkins.com. And your gift will be will have double the impact if it's made by December the 31st. For the second year in a row, the Biden administration has excluded Nigeria from its religious liberty watch list, despite thousands of Christians reportedly killed in the nation. When I was on the commission, in fact, when I was chairman of the commission, we worked with the Trump administration to get Nigeria placed on the what's called the CPC list, the country of particular concern, because of what was happening in Nigeria. And the situation has only gotten worse. But yet, the Biden administration, both years, they've been in charge of taking them off the list. Joining me now to discuss this is the former representative from the state of Virginia, the author of the 1998 United States International Religious Freedom Act, which created the commission. He is now on the commission as one of the commissioners, Congressman Frank Wolf. Frank, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. I'm glad to be with you. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, so what excuse is the Biden administration giving this time for excluding Nigeria from the CPC list? Well, before I get to that, I want to thank you and FRC for the work you do. I, I think you're one of the most effective groups here in Washington. And God bless you. We had two or three more like you, I think. Uh, but anyway, thank you and thank all the people that help you and, and support you. Thank nobody, you, Nobody knows why they did this. This was done the day before Biden, uh, uh, Blinken went to uh, uh, Nigeria. Nobody, nobody knows. Uh, as you know, USERP made a very strong statement, strongly in support of CPC. They also made a very strong statement 
asking for a special on, envoy for Nigeria and the Lake Chad region to deal with all of the problems, persecution, uh, terrorism, kidnapping across the board. So why did they do it? Things are actually worse now than they were last year, and yet they didn't. Uh, I don't know. I do not know why they did it. In, in my conversations before leaving the commission with even members of the Biden administration, and, and I assume that the commission reading the statements, and I've not been involved, I've watched your statements and others from the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, but it appears, as it was when I was there, that this is bipartisan, that both the Republican and Democrat-appointed members of the commission see Nigeria as a place that sh- as a country that should be placed on the CPC list. You are absolutely right. There was no opposition to it. It was Republican and Democrat. In fact, there's a member of the commission, Fred Davey, very good member. I think you know Fred. You served mm-hmm. with him. He went to Nigeria several months ago and came back and validated this. Now, this was a totally bipartisan. Every Republican, every Democrat on the, on the commission felt, one, they ought to be a CPC designated country. And two, there ought to be a special envoy to deal with all these problems. If you looked at the Wall Street Journal today or yesterday, they talked about terrorism coming in in Nigeria, Nigeria, the whole region. This country is out of control. And keep in mind, it is the third most dangerous country in the world, according to the Global Tourism Index. And Christians are being killed left and right every single day, and it's getting worse. In fact, there was a recent uh, report coming out of Nigeria about the Nigerian military forcing women who had been captured and raped by Boko Haram terrorist groups to have forced abortions. I mean, what do we know about this? Has the Biden administration, are are they just turning a blind eye to this? Well, I don't know. I I asked today uh, and they said they are they are they are looking into it. Keep in mind, if you believe the Reuters report, this this went on since 2013. Uh, It's almost Amazing that the embassy didn't know. Uh, if you read the Reuters story, and I know you have, uh, watch frankly the Reuters story should be sent to every Republican and Democrat who serves on the House Foreign Affairs Committee and the Senate Foreign Foreign Relations Committee. Uh, Ten thousand women by the by the military, and we aid the Nigerian military. We give a lot of money to the Nigerian military. In fact, if I recall, when Blinken went there, he announced new 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 grants. But the fact that this went on. Since 2013, and now we're at 2022, and nobody knew. Yeah. It's hard to believe. So hopefully the IG will look at it. I would hope members of Congress would ask the Inspector General for the State State Department. I would hope other groups would speak out, too. I haven't heard the U.S. Institute for Peace say anything about it. I haven't heard a lot of the groups in town that you thought would be enraged. But you got to believe that somebody would have heard something because we— work with the Nigerian military. We, we've trained the Nigerian military. And I think this went on for 2013 and 10,000 women. Yeah, it's, it, it, it is a little hard to believe that no one knew about this. And I mean, we've worked, I've worked with those uh, groups on the ground over there that are helping uh, NGOs and they did not have this. I, I don't know. So it'd be interesting to see this would fall under the jurisdiction of our mutual friend, Congressman Chris Smith of New Jersey and his subcommittee. And I'm certain that uh, once the 118th Congress is in place, that he will be more than eager to have oversight hearings as it pertains to this issue coming out of Nigeria. 
Oh, I'm sure Chris is great on this issue. He's been in not Nigeria, and I'm sure he will. I would also hope, though, the Senate would look at it. I would hope when the ambassador comes up, as you know, the hearings were going to be held, and then they were canceled. When the ambassador comes up, the designee, he has asked this question. What do you know about it, Mr. Ambassador? Are you going to find out? We report to the committee. Who knew? Was any... I hate to, was any federal money go? Did anything, did anyone ever hear? Were there ever rumors? Did anybody in the embassy went to that region when they talked to the Boko Haram parents, a, a children, a member of the, of the Chibok girls? Did they ever talk to whatever? Somebody must have known, but I think Chris can get to it. But the Senate Foreign Relations Committee should also ask these questions when the man comes up to be confirmed. Well, in my conversations with the previous uh, ambassador, those filling in that role regarding the status of Nigeria, one of the things that we're hearing and have been hearing is that, well, this is not religious conflict. This is a conflict over limited resources brought about by climate change. And so this does not fit their narrative, and they're refusing to recognize the obvious, that religion is a motivating factor for what is happening there in the country of Nigeria. It is. Boko Haram is committing genocide. This is one of the first times America will ever know, if you've read Greg Stanton's statement, that Boko Haram committed genocide, and we're not saying anything at all about it. Also, the Fulani militants. I was there. I remember the Fulani militants. You come in the village, people tell you what's taking place. It is because they are Christians. Talk to uh, talk to Bishop Bishop Kuku. Talk to the Catholic Church. Talk to the Anglican Church. Talk to uh, it is a an attack against Christianity and some Muslims too. Some Muslims have had right. an attack, but it is basically an attack against Christianity that has been going on for a long while. And there's been no no response by the government, if you will. And I think our government, frankly, quite frankly, the last ambassador. I I I I. Uh, uh, I, I pulled a statement out. You remember and Ambassador, former Ambassador John Campbell? He said, the giant of Africa is falling. It's the largest country in Africa. Right. It, it, in 2050, they'll have more people in Nigeria than they have here in the United States. So uh, it's, it, it is genocide and genocide activity mainly against Christians. And you have been raising, sounding the alarm on this for a long time. I appreciate your leadership on this, and rightfully so. Nigeria, the most populous country there, if it is destabilized, the entire African continent will be destabilized. And um, I appreciate you not only authoring the law that created the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, but now being willing to serve on there as an advocate for the persecuted. And I want to thank you for joining us as well on today's program. So, Frank, always great to see you. Thank you, and thank all your supporters. They are really making a difference by helping you out. God bless you. Thank you, Frank. Well, and folks, we've got to continue to uh, to sound this alarm. And, and uh, when the 118th comes in, 118th Congress, as I mentioned, Congressman Chris Smith already had conversations with him. He has a jurisdiction of a subcommittee overseeing Africa, and uh, I can assure you that we'll be having hearings, and, and we'll need you to help weigh in on this, to help push these issues forward. It's extremely important that we protect religious freedom here at home and we promote it abroad. All right, as we saw last week with the passing of the Disrespect for Marriage Act, the lame duck section of Congress 
provides the ideal cover for legislators no longer accountable to the voters. Now, this is this lame duck session, and I'll repeat this for those who may be tuning in for the first time. That's the time between the election and the new Congress coming in on January the 3rd. This is a time for mischief. It's a time where there's no accountability to those who are presently, for the most part, about a third of those that are in Washington doing this work. They'll never stand before voters again. So right now we're looking this week with government funding scheduled to end on Friday unless a new budget deal is reached. What should we be watching for this week in Congress? Well, joining me now to discuss this is Connor Simmelsberger. He's the Director of Federal Affairs for the Family Research Council. Connor, welcome back to the program. Yep, happy to talk about this lame duck session. Okay, so what should we be watching out for this week? Yeah, so the one of the biggest things left for Congress to do, thankfully there's only one thing left on that schedule, is to fund the government. Uh, the deadline for government funding runs out this Friday. So we got five legislative days to stop a government shutdown and continue our uh, uh, federal appropriations into the next year. And there's still lots of play, lots of bad bills that can still get attached. And we need to ensure uh, things like the Hyde Amendment and other good pro-life policies and, and such that have been around for years and years stay intact. So the the issue here in question is is the funding for government, the budget. The question is, will Nancy Pelosi, who is no longer going to be speaker after January, I mean, the, the voters of America have put the Republicans in charge of the House of Representatives, but yet right now they're working on a budget that could tie the hands of the Republican Congress well into next year. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's three likely scenarios here, Tony. Uh, the first is exactly how you outline, letting Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and, and Joe Biden uh, set the congressional agenda for the entire next year, writing new appropriations bills, plussing up funding for a whole year. That'd be the least likely scenario. Another scenario, though, is if a deal doesn't come together, is they may just do what we call a continuing resolution, just continue this year's funding all the way till next September 30th. So it'd be a whole year under that, but still tying the hands of the next uh, House coming in, a new speaker. But the third scenario, and that's what, what we would like to see, is like you said, uh, they've elected Republicans in the House to take over, and they should get a fair shake at actually setting the agenda for next year and write the appropriations bills come next Congress when they get back in January. Any indication of which way the Congress is leaning? Well, this Congress would love to get those bills in as a nice Christmas present uh, for their industry and their interest. Um, and so that's what they want to fight for. But time is against them. Uh, the clock is ticking. There's a Christmas holiday in between there and New Year's. And so uh, the, the time's against them. And there's a lot that still has to get done if they want this package to come together before the Congress is out. All right. Beyond the funding for the federal government, what else are you monitoring this week? Yeah, there's some really uh, problematic pieces of legislation that cut against the family, just like the Disrespect for Marriage Act did. One is called the Safe Banking Bill. This would uh, be a huge boon for the marijuana industry, keeping it federally illegal, but allowing banks and the industry to continue to profit and make sales off an illegal substance, marijuana. A second bill is this bill called the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act. And again, we want uh, workplaces to be fair to pregnant women. But unfortunately, this bill is riddled with language that would essentially equate uh, maternity leave with time off to travel out of state to get an abortion. And we know how much this current administration loves pushing the abortion agenda. They would love nothing more than more regulatory authority over employers to force an abortion agenda on our country. So we'll be monitoring activity through the week, but right now the action item would be to, con to contact your member of Congress 
your senators and encourage them to only fund the government into the first part of next year so that the new Congress can set the f- spending priorities, right? That's exactly right. Uh, the, the people have spoken. They want Republicans representing them in the U.S. House, so they should get the, ch- the first shot to uh, uh, govern by writing appropriations bills for the upcoming year. All right. Connor, thanks so much for joining us. We'll check in with you a little later in the week. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, Tony. So, folks, you can call the Capitol Switchboard, which is 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. And look, Nancy Pelosi should not be setting the spending for the 118th Congress. The American people put the Republicans in control of the House of Representatives. That is the people's house. That's where the spending taxing bills start. And so that needs to be left to them. It is not something that Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats should be doing on their way out so that they can give more money to their leftist friends. Right? Next year is going to be a fight right? in many, many ways. The other thing is you've got you to shore up and back up the Republicans. You've got to tell them, look, you need to take responsibility for this. Because I think some of them would actually rather the Democrats take over the spending for next year so they can have an excuse But you need to tell them it's your job. You need to take responsibility for this. All right, folks, thanks so much for joining us today. Tune in again tomorrow. We're going to cover what's happening once again as we continue to track the Twitter files and much more. So until next time, remember the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6 where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.